I, I, I don't. I don't have my nose up all in the television or, or current event. That's not something that um, I just get all bent out of shape about. But I do think it's important for us to know what's going on around us. Um, you know, too many Christians, I think, um, sometimes we can see what's going on. It's almost too painful. We don't want to deal with it. Or we don't know how to process it. And it really comes to light when you're around uh, people, and I don't know how God seems to bring regularly people my way, not church people necessarily. You know, it can be anybody that is facing something that is so monumental in their life, and they just don't know how to reconcile this awful thing going on in their life and an all-powerful, ever-present, omnibenevolent, you know, all-good God. I mean, how do you do that? How do you see what's going on in this world right now and all the evil and all the wickedness that takes place and say, well, I worship a good God? Um, years ago, there was a a Jewish rabbi named Kirshner that wrote a book when bad things happen to good people. And the reason he wrote it was because of, I forget, it was something with his son. I don't know if it was a disease or some, but it was an awful death. And this rabbi could not reconcile a good and all-powerful God with his son suffering the way he was. So he said, I had a choice. I could believe that God was all-powerful and could fix it and didn't, or that he was all-good and wanted to but was unable. And he said he finally decided on this, that God is good. He just wasn't able to fix his son's problem. He said, I couldn't go the other way. I couldn't think that God was all-powerful, but just wasn't good enough to do it. Anybody ever struggle with wondering, where is God? And listen, if you haven't been there, you probably will. And I just, you can put this in the bank. <laughs> Remember the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms is, I believe, written for, very, for these times like this. Um, but it's even bigger than that. I, I, I know I sent this to, I think, Kevin and Vance, um, Chris, I don't know who all. I, it's a man named uh, Scott Christensen. wrote a book a few years ago called What About Free Will? And he wrote another one in, back last year called What About Evil? And it's a massive book. Um, but he just came out with one, a new one. It's, it's about to be published. And I was fortunate enough to get uh, a preview copy, and that's what I sent that to you guys for. Um, and the title of this is Defeating Evil. And what it is, it's kind of a, not a dumbed-down, but a scaled-down version of 
uh, what about evil? And it's not quite as technical and, and not as heavily footnoted. There's a point to this. Get, I'm, I'm getting around to it. Um, but I, I started, when as soon as I got the notice, I downloaded the PDF and of the, the preview copy. And folks, I have not been able to put it down. It is incredible. Um, and, and a verse came to mind in Colossians where Paul prays for the Colossian church, the believers there, that God would fill them with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And folks, listen, we, every one of us, need that right now. We need a heavy dose of wisdom, God's wisdom and spiritual understanding in and, and the days that are that we're in the middle of right now, in the middle of. I mean, we're seeing a, a proliferation of wickedness like I don't think this world's ever seen. And if we're, if we're paying attention, we see what's going on. We see what's going on. I mean, the, um, the sexual revolution of the 60s has matured to the point now, and we all know what the fruit of that's been. Um, and I think the enemy is using this largely to destroy the, the basic institution of God's creation through which all mankind was meant to flourish, and that's the family. And that's what's happening. Families are being destroyed. Families are being destroyed. And I, <clears throat> so, have you ever wondered about that? And, you know, there's a theological word for it. It's, it's called theodicy. It's how do we reconcile God and, it be, you know, God being good in the presence of evil in the world? How do we do that? Right, and we're going to look at a number of scriptures, but, but this goes back to uh, the ancient Greek philosopher, Epicurus. And here, listen to what he proposed. Here's, listen to what he said. He said, if God... Um, is God willing to prevent evil? Is he willing but not able? Then he's not all-powerful. If he's able but not willing, then he's not all-good. Is he both able and willing? Then where does evil come from? Is he neither able nor willing? Then why call him God? I think sometimes we as Christians, I, I don't know who it was that said it, but I, I, I'm going to give you the Steve Williams version. Don't check your brains at the door when you come to church. You know that? And, and too many of us have done that. We just, you know, we don't think. We don't think. We run across something in Scripture that's troubling. What do you do with it? You know what we do, what I do. For a long time, for the longest time, you know what I did. What do you do? You run across something, Trevor. Somebody talk to me. Turn the page. Huh? Turn the page. There you go. Turn the page. Or find something that you understand and read it again. Or delete it altogether. Or what? Delete it altogether. Yeah, just shut it and go on. Yeah, I got to go to work. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, but that's not how we mature. That's not how we mature. It's wrestling with these things. It's wrestling with them. I mean, it's going to the floor on them. 
dealing with them. And it's not just scriptural things, but it's taking the things that, I mean, like all the prayer requests we've had here tonight, I mean, there are families that are just, that are being devastated. You know, and, and we, it's not, a, there's not a, a quick answer. I mean, you just can't say, well, look at Psalm 33, verses 6 through 10, and there's your answer. That's not the, it's not it. That's not it. It's all of it. And it's all of it made real to us by our time in this on our face, not just in the word, but praying through those things and asking God to give us an understanding spirit and a willing mind to grapple with these things. And then wherever it falls out, God, I'm good with it. Whatever I learn of you, I'm good with it. Um, one, a couple of quick examples. Look at Luke chapter 13. And this is what kind of started me on this. In Luke chapter 13, Beginning in verse 1, Jesus talking, he said, there were some, well, I'm, this is the, about an interaction Jesus had with some people. He said, verse 1, there were some, some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Obviously, these went into the, um, went into the temple and made some sacrifice in for some reason, Pilate thought, you know, he, he slaughtered them and just, you couldn't tell the blood from the, uh, you know, from the, the blood of the sheep from the blood of the people. Uh, and it must have been awful. It must have been awful. And so Jesus said, do you think these Galileans were more or worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, because unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom this tower in Siloam fell, and kill them. Do you think those were, that they were any worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. You see two aspects of evil in this, in this instance right here. Number one is we're talking about moral evil. And the other is natural evil. Moral evil are the wicked acts that people portray on one another. The people do, you know, when my sin affects somebody else, when the wrongs that I do and the wickedness and the evil that I do impacts somebody else. We've all had that. We've all done that. We've all had it done to us. All people, you know, I mean, everybody's had instances where somebody acted in a sinful, wicked way and it, and it impacted us. More often it's me impacting others, if we're honest. And that's what happened there. Pilate's wickedness, his evil act, impacted all these impacted those Galileans. The other was natural. I don't know why the, the tower fell. There's no historical record of either one of these. But some reason, this tower fell, and the 18 people were killed. And it was just a natural disaster. You know, and I wonder, somebody stood back and said, where was God when, where was God when, Pilate did that. Where was God when that, 
That, you know, that, that thing didn't have to fall. Why did that tower fall? That could have been sin-related. It could have been, you know, some, some contractor cutting corners or somebody not doing something they shouldn't have done. And it let the weak spot in their pride, but we don't know. I mean, but th- it goes beyond just moral evil. I mean, there's naturally. Look at the, the result of the fall. Earthquake, tsunamis, tornadoes, floods, ice storms, water leaks, no water, muddy water, flooded utility room, ruined floor. I, I mean, just, and I'm, those are little things. Those are little things. I'm sorry, sir. It's that growth on your pancreas is cancer. That's malignant. Or you go to a young father and said, the doctor comes out of the living room and said, we had some complications and neither the baby or the mama survived. What do you, how do you face that? I mean, those are just things that happen in a fallen world. And we live in that fallen world. And we, listen, this is kind of, uh, it's, it's paradoxical. But, you know, Christians are the only, is the only uh, religion, the only faith system that can address the, the wickedness that we, that we face daily in light of who God is. But you know, the paradox of that is we're the only religion that faces it because we, we espouse a perfectly good and holy and righteous God, right? So then how do you handle evil? The Buddhists don't have that problem. The Hindus don't have that problem because they got millions of gods and their gods fight with one another. One wins this week, another one wins next week, and, you know, kills all. I, that's their way. The Muslims, obviously, don't have that problem. They would rather have that problem and have a secure eternity. Well, yeah. Than, than a happy, ever how many years we got here and been faithful. One of the best examples I know, looking back at Genesis, chapter 50. And and one of the things that that it's imperative for every believer to do is to read through this whole book. I mean, this, this whole book. Because until, you, until you've done that or numerous, numerous times, you'll not be able to, to tie things together. It'll clear up a lot of questions that you have about things that take place. Remember, how did, how did Joseph end up in Egypt? Who remember? How did Joseph end up in Egypt? So his brother sold him into slavery, right? So he gets sold to Potiphar. Potiphar's wife falsely accused him of trying to assault her, gets thrown into prison, 
he interprets the dream of the, of the baker and uh, the cupbearer. The both dreams come true and they get released. And doggone cupbearer forgot all about him. Two more years he stayed there. Two more years. Then Pharaoh dreamed a dream. Cupbearer, cup, uh, got it. You know, Pharaoh, I forgot all about this. There's a young Hebrew that's in the prison with me when you threw me in there, and he can, he can interpret dreams. He interpreted mine in the baker's. You let me go, and you cut his head off. They're both, that's just what he said would happen. So he gets, you know, remember, he calls Joseph, and Joseph saves the whole nation of Egypt from the famine. Then Joseph's brothers come. You know the story. Well, after Isaac dies, I mean, uh, excuse me, after Jacob dies, well, the brothers think, well, we've had it now, boys. Joseph doesn't have anybody to answer to when we're dead meat. I mean, there's nobody more powerful except Pharaoh over Joseph. All he's got to do is say, and we're gone. So they go to him and say, look, Dad said leave us alone. He said, let us live. I'm, I'm, that's the short version, okay? Dad said, you know, it's all good. And so look how Joseph, in chapter 50, um, verse 17, says, say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of God, of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. It broke his heart that his brothers were so tormented by what they did to him. Verse 18, his brothers came also and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. <clears throat> but Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Nobody would argue with that, would they? Nobody would argue that. But if we're not careful, what we can do is we can see Israel being in Egypt, Joseph being sent down there, and Israel being in Egypt, and that God responded to what happened, to what his brothers did, by bringing about their deliverance. But that's not the full story. What did Paul Harvey used to say? The rest of the story. But see, listen, the rest of the story comes earlier. Turn back to Genesis chapter 15. Remember, God had promised him offspring, Abraham offspring, and Sarah was barren. And God promised him that he would make it, you know, that a nation, but you know, kings would come from him. He had no child, but God promised him one. But anyway, he said, um, verse 8, and God promised him the land, uh, verse 8 in Genesis 15. Said, but he said, O Lord God, it's to Abraham. He said, how am I to know that I shall possess it? Talking about the land that God promised. He said to him, bring me a heifer three years old and a female goat three years old a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought uh, him all these, cut them in half, and laid each in half over against the other. 
but he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abraham drove, Abraham drove them away. And as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. For 400 years. God told Abraham before he ever had Isaac that your children will, will multiply in this, in this land and they will afflict them for 400 years. And then God will bring them out. So it wasn't that God responded when Joseph was there. This was all God's plan. The slavery of the whole nation of Israel being in Egypt was part of God's plan. Joseph being sold into slavery by his brothers was part of God's plan. The abuse of God's people was part of his plan. Suffering of God's people was part of God's plan. How does that fit with your idea of who God is? It's hard, isn't it? Trust God. Do what? Trust God. Well, yeah, I mean, we, we do. We need to trust him. Because he couldn't be a perfect and holy God if he didn't also have the wrath against our sin and rebellion. Right. And, and it's, yeah, and, and it, it's, it, and the thing is, a lot of times it's not, <clears throat> We suffer because of someone else's. That's what's the hard thing to deal with. Look, when God when God kept promising Israel, said, "Look, you better repent, or." And most of the nation, of course, didn't. They just kept going on, and they got wiped out. They got you know hauled off. And but listen, there were people that were in Israel that were not party of idolatry. Think Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. I mean, these guys, they didn't participate in idolatry. But they suffered because these others did. Do, yeah. Yeah. We don't, you know, he doesn't always tell us how our suffering is going to bear fruit. And, and I mean, what I'm talking about, this kind of suffering, righteous suffering. We suffer at the hands of somebody else of somebody else's evil, somebody else's wickedness, when we suffer at their hands, <coughs> Christianity is also the only faith 
that can show a purpose in suffering. There's purpose. In, you know, John Piper wrote a book, as a matter of fact, that said, don't waste your cancer. Don't waste your cancer. I mean, there's a man that's been on his face. There's a man that understands a whole lot more than I do, a whole lot more than most of us do about what it means to suffer righteously when things, just like you said, cancer's here because of the fall. That's why cancer's here. That's why we have birth effects. That's why we have Down syndrome. That's why we have paralysis. That's why accidents happen. It's because we live in that kind of world. And, and it's, just, it's just, I don't know, it's been a burden on my heart for a long time because I see so many struggling day to day to day. Because Listen, problems don't come up and then they're over. You know, well, let's say tomorrow, 3 o'clock tomorrow afternoon, I'll, all this will be solved. That don't work that way. Some of this, you know, I was saying, you know what, I, that light at the end of the tunnel turned out to be an oncoming train. Well, that's me, you know. I think there's light at the end of the tunnel, and I get in the middle of it, and this, this locomotive is bearing down, and I can't run fast enough the other way, and there ain't room to go that way. You know, and I'm like the Cody trying to outrun the, you know, that's me. Huh? I'm just in the tunnel. You know, that's it. But that's what happens. And, it's, and it, we just never feel prepared. That's my point. We never feel prepared, and I don't know that we are, that we ever will be. I don't know we'll ever be, we'll be prepared for what comes against us, for what comes at us. But I think the first thing is, the first thing we got to understand is this. When those things happen, I need to look at myself first. God, what part did I play in bringing this on? I mean, we need to be honest with ourselves. We need to be honest with ourselves. And secondly, once you've gone through all that, and it, that's not just a quick exercise. Sometimes that can take a while. Because when God starts peeling, there's a lot of layers to that onion. And I, I, I know, um, I think I mentioned him last week, Richard Owen Roberts. This old man is, I just can't hardly listen to him without crying. He's just an incredible old man. But he said, you know, we spend too much time trying to deal with, with the fruit of sin that we don't take the time to get to the root of it. It's the root of sin we need to deal with, not the fruit. And most of the time, the root has a whole lot to do with pride. A whole lot to do with pride. You know, that's the reason we want to blame. That's the reason we just flat out lie. That's the reason we deny. That's the reason we cover. I mean, just that pride is a big reason we do, is the root of so many sins. So many sins. And every one of us deal with that in some measure or another. Every one of us does. But it, it's something we've got to learn to deal with. God, show me how, and I've done this exercise before, and it's painful. You take a, take a notebook, and I had to have about 300 pages. 
and just say, Lord, would you just show me where sin is in my life? And just start writing these things come to mind. And then go back and read some more and then write some more. And when you get that list made, once, then just pray over that list. And then what you do, take it outside and you burn it. Because it's been paid for. It's been paid for. And, and that's part of what, and this, it's not being na not naval, uh, navel gazing. It's just keeping short accounts with God is what it means. And, you know, listen, it's got, it needs to be more than God forgive me for how I failed you today. Look, when we, want, when we need God to do something for us, aren't we real specific? We're real specific, aren't we? God, I need $13.27. Or I need $300.94 $394 for a utility, whatever it is. God, I, we're real specific. And oh, and God forgive my sin. Because, you know, it's, it's painful to name them, isn't it? It's painful to name them. It's painful to name them around somebody else. Pride? Is that why we don't confess our faults one to another? Do what? I said, why we don't admit it to ourselves? Yeah. I, again, but I've said it, and it's just, just plain. Everybody knows it. You can't tell God anything he doesn't already know anyway. So when you confess, be honest. You know, I think that's what God wants. He just wants us to be honest with ourselves and then with him. So that he, that's what confession is. Just God forgive me. For, and I understand, look, I'm not making light of that. And I don't, I'm not saying don't ever pray that. And, okay? Because I know, you know, we do it up here. And I don't want somebody to go home and say, well, he just cut me to pieces. No, that's not what my point was. I understand in a, in a, in a, in a when we're praying together like this, that's understandable. Okay? Everybody good? Amen. Okay. So, Daniel, I wasn't picking on you or anybody else that prays that. Okay? That wasn't the point. The point is ourselves, be specific. Be specific. Um. The reason I want to, and I think I probably, let me make, Kevin, I'm probably going to be Wednesday night over the next, until the 18th, right? Yeah. Okay, I just want to make sure, I'm trying, trying to figure out what, where, I, where I am in this thing. Um, what, so what I, so if it's all right, what I, do what? I am, and he is what he is, and uh Little rascals, I just love that show. <laughs> homeo, homeo, wherefore art thou homeo? Yeah, he is. Um, Bible study, I'm sorry, y'all. Um, so, 
So what I want to, as I get more, as I get more into defeating evil, and Scott Christensen's got this thing, it's just loaded with scripture. And so what I want to do over the next few weeks that we've got, I'm, it, probably like three, maybe four, is to really arm you with what we need as believers to face our culture that is crumbling around us. It is crumbling around us. And, and I don't know if, the, if we're paying attention to what's going on, but our all this stuff has been poured into the universities, all this Marxist stuff, and I'm, I'm not being political. It's, it's just filtering down and folks that's being pushed in schools. I mean, there are things that, there are things going on on the West Coast right now in places like Portland and, and other places on the West Coast in the schools that would make you vomit if you read it. Going on in grade schools. And if you got kids in school, thank, be, be grateful. If you're not homeschooling, be grateful they're in a small community school like Giles County. No matter what goes on, because things don't proliferate in a small town like they do in a big city. And we just need to pray. Listen, folks, be praying for our school teachers and administrators and principals. You know, for the lunch lady and the, and the, and the, you know, the custodians and all these other people that are involved in educating our students, our kids. Our grandkids, because that's what's happening. That's what's happening. Anyway, um, but it, it, it takes us right back to the book of Judges. Two times in the book of Judges, we're told, and the people did what was right in their own eyes. That's what people are doing today. And you get enough people doing it, enough people screaming it, that it's my right. Then the government writes a law that says, yeah, it is. And if you don't use the right pronoun, you can be, you know, there are places already in the United States where if you misgender somebody, it's a hate crime. It's a hate crime. Do what? This is a pattern that history, you know, the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. Right. Absolutely. History always repeats itself with every nation. When you look at Sodom and Gomorrah, and when you look at the book of the Judges, when you look at the nation of Israel, when you look at Tyre and Sidon, when you all throughout the Bible, what you see is this progression of evil becoming more and more unbridled. Even Paul said that the way of the Gentiles in Ephesians chapter 4 was a was walking toward a way of unbridled fleshly yep. unbridled being no control. And it, it just goes more and more evil in a in a society of the sons of disobedience always move in that direction. Yeah. Until God finally brings judgment on that and destroys the wicked and brings people to repentance and then we begin over and then the cycle begins over. over and the cycle begins again over and over and over and I think I don't think I know that's exactly what you're seeing in the United States today is the same thing that we've seen over and over and over 
and that is this unbridled fleshly lust that the world pursues and our job is in the midst of this to keep seeking the Lord, to keep turning from our wicked ways, to keep uh, praying for those around us and, and our nation and the world. But at the end of the day, we continue to trust that through this all, we keep our focus and our eyes on God. Yeah. And um, that's where our salvation and our hope comes from. Yeah, it's, it's funny because how... The, Ro the Romans, I mean, the most in incredible military might, I guess the world's just about ever seen. And a bunch of barbarians defeat what? Moral rot from inside. Same thing happened to the Greeks. I mean, it, just time and time again, it's happened. It's just like Kevin said, it's just a cycle. It's a cycle. Re Israel went through it, repentance. And then they were restored. And then they get eaten. Things, listen, that's what happened. The mark is this. God told Israel, be careful. But when you start living in houses you didn't build, and you eat fruit from trees you didn't plant, and go through all this stuff that you, and it was just given to you, be careful that you don't forget the Lord. And what did they do? They forgot the Lord. I, you know, I, I know, you know, this, that, 2 Chronicles 7.14 is taken out of context all the time. But maybe it, it's something we need to understand that if my people who are called by my name, listen, humble themselves. Humble themselves. One of the things that we need to understand is this. They beat Jesus who was absolutely innocent. Look how he suffered. Who are we to think that we won't? Who am I to stand up and say, I don't deserve this? Isn't that pride? Listen, whatever, whatever comes to me, it's got to pass through God's hands for whatever reaches me. I mean, that's what that book, the Job's all about that. And look how he suffered. But I'm going to tell you, when Job got through, what he learned about God, I bet he looked back on that and said it was worth every, every struggle I had. It was worth every boil. It was worth every sleepless night. It was worth it. Because of, remember what he said? You know, I'd heard of you with the ear, but now my eye sees you. And I repent and sackcloth and ashes. I mean, he knew God in a way he never would have known him before. That's what God does in suffering for believers. It's meant to be a time when we draw close to him. But too often we put a, well, God, if this way you're going to treat me. And we ought to draw near to him. And see, that's why, it, listen, it's, it's knowing God first. It's knowing him. I was in Daniel eleven thirty five. The people that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. The people that don't know their God are cowards. And they can't stand. But the people that know their God will stand flat-footed in the face of anything. It's like Peter and them when they suffered, they got beat for preaching Christ. And what did it say? That in uh, Acts chapter 4, they went back to their brothers 
And it said they rejoiced that they were kind of worthy to suffer for the name. You, I mean, what a wonderful thing. What a wonderful thing. And we just maybe face some of that here the, in, the, in the near future. I don't know. Look, I'm not a prophet. There were, I'm not. Nobody is. We've got this now, right? Okay. But Hebrews said the same thing. I mean, there are many scriptures, but you know, the writer Hebrews rejoiced that they rejoiced in the plundering of their goods. Isn't that something? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you rejoiced when they give good night. You lost everything you owned, and yet you, you counted it all joy for the suffering the way that, that Christ had but Yeah, because, it, because you were his. I mean, it's one of them. You know, they took it as... A mark. Remember what I told you all about that, uh, the Chinese pastor? The one pastor, he was told don't trust him because he hadn't been in jail yet for his faith. <laughs> when you go to jail for your faith, you spend two or three years in, you know, in, in a prison camp because of your faith. And when you come out and you still preach the gospel, well, now we trust him. Now we can trust him. Oh, my goodness. Well, what, what people do is they think they try to find everything else in the world to soothe that, to fill that void. That's what they do. That's why, you know, drugs and alcohol and, and all this other stuff, you know, and all this gender confusion. It's people trying to fill a void that, that you can't fill with anything on this earth. Only God can fill it. It's like what C.S. Lewis said, when we find ourselves longing for something that the world can't satisfy, we need to realize we're made for something more than this world. And, and nothing in this world is going to satisfy you. It's not. I mean, they could drop me a brand new four-door Dodge Dooley at my house, a brand new one every week, and I wouldn't be happy. Huh? Probably would. Or a Ford. I wouldn't care. But bring me a new one and every I mean, just think about it. I mean, after a while... The shiny wears off. The new wears off. Then you find, then it breaks down. Huh? Yeah, next week. Yeah, but I need tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Two was it two weeks? Yeah. I remember when Adrian Rogers said the week after that happened, he said they had people walking off the street wanting to know how to how to get saved. Yeah. And less than a month later, yeah. they're back fighting again. Yeah. Oh yeah, the Catholic. They interviewed some Catholic nuns and. And they said, no, they interviewed a priest, Catholic priest, and he said, well, he said, well, God was just surprised when all those people showed up this morning. 
Maybe your God was, mine wasn't. Whether we want to know it or not, that those planes fulfill God's purpose. It fulfilled God's purpose. And, you know, God doesn't, God doesn't always turn a nation around by blessing. Sometimes God works by bringing things like that. That brings repentance faster than anything. And, you know, we, we kind of wake up and then we go right back to sleep. We get stirred and then we just, you know. I, so over, over the next couple of weeks, um, we're going to really di start diving deep into some things. So I hope you'll, you'll hang on. And I'm going to try to have something printed next week uh, that you can have and just keep with you. Um, but I, I, I want us to just, again, I don't know what's going to happen. But whatever does, it may not be a national thing. It may be a family thing. But whatever it is, something else is going to come up in the pipe for somebody. And it's going to be earth shattering to you. And we'll, you know, and we'll hurt for you. But it's going to shatter you. You got a family that's praying for you. And maybe, you know, and it may teach us to pray a little different about some things too once we begin to understand how all this works and or, or how God works in these things. We won't always know why, but we do know that God always is working, right? He's always working. And thank goodness, Romans 8, 28 is still in our Bibles, that all things do work together, together for good. We may, listen, you may not see it here. We may not see it till we get there. But it's wait. It's wait. Set your mind on things above, not on things on earth. So, okay. Any other questions or comments or? Huh? I got three minutes. Oh. <laughs> I, I, well, I'll tell you what I will do. Do what? <laughs> Hang on one second. While you doing that, we're talking about the situations and so forth of, of what we're living in now. And I don't think it's all a lot of but this little thing that we, you know, we can't hardly live without living yeah. for a wide picture on the whole camp or something. No. <laughs> there is a cyber warfare that is not around our home. Yeah. And we thought our water was bad last week. All we have to do is push the wrong button, and this whole nation is turned upside down. Oh, no. It's clear. It's clear. All right, I'm, I'm going to prepare you for next week. Well, I thought they said I can go until I got through. Um, no, I'm going to read again what these atheists and agnostics say, the God of the Bible is all-powerful. He's omnipotent. Number two, God of the Bible is all-good. He's omnibenevolent. Number three, yet evil exists. Number four, therefore, the God of the Bible cannot possibly exist. Okay. Okay, now, that's what evil, that's what, and for, listen, 
They're high school kids that are using this as to counter a Christian witness. Huh? Yeah. I, I don't know. Did anybody, anybody see my Facebook when I shared that video from Amazon Prime? The Has Been Hotel? Amazon Prime is it's an adult geared cartoon. And I watched the first two minutes uh, of it. And it starts off Adam and Lilith. And Lilith gets mad because she wants to be equal to Adam in far as authority and, you know, to, to run things. So she leaves Adam, and she hooks up with Satan. And Adam has Eve now, and she eats the fruit and falls into wickedness. And now Satan and Lilith have teamed up trying to fix everything. And they're battling these Forces, you know, in the heaven. That's actually scriptures on the cross. It's so popular that it's been signed up for a second season. And it's and the New York Times said it's gotten rave reviews. So, all right. So here, here's the way this thing plays out. The all-powerful God of the Bible can prevent evil. The all-good God of the Bible wants to prevent evil, yet evil exists. Therefore, God is not all-powerful or he's not all-good. You see? All right, but listen, that whole, the whole premise falls apart with one word. And here's what they say. The all-good God of the Bible wants to prevent evil. If he wanted to, he would. For some reason, God does not want to prevent all evil. And here's, here's where Scott, I'm, I'm going to give you the last page. Here's where he comes down. Evil exists for the greater glory of God. That's why evil exists, for the greater glory of God. Folks, God doesn't do anything except by, for his glory. You know that? Everything he does is for his glory. He told, listen, he told Pharaoh, Pharaoh, I, rose you, I raised you up for this. I rose you up. I, I'm sorry. I'm, I got to get rid of my Arkansas. I, I raised you up for this very, very purpose that, that my name would be glorified in you. He raised him up for that very purpose. Incredible. All that wickedness happened because he said, I'm going to deliver my people and I'll be glorified. That's why you got them there. Well, I'm not sure all the reasons, but God got a lot of glory out of it. Part in the Red Sea. I mean, all the thing, all the judgments on Egypt's gods, God got glory out of it. And that's his whole point. That's God's goal. That's what he, he's there for. And that's what we're here for is to give him glory, and our lives should do that. Okay. All right, anything else? Yes. So I know a lot of times I've 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, we've got to speak up. Even though we're being more and more marginalized as believers, Christians, I mean, we're being told to shut up. We're being kicked off. You know, listen, big voices are getting kicked off social. They've already, there are already some people that I follow that no longer have access to YouTube because they consider the Christian message to be hate speech. So they're having to find other venues for their ministry. So um, anyway, but you're right. I mean, it's, and we don't let them, you know, somebody says to shut up, you know, we just keep. Peter didn't, didn't shut up. Said don't preach anymore in that name. Well, they kept on and got thrown in jail for it. So I don't know who fell in if me and Kevin in jail, but somebody better step up and preach. All right. Anybody else? Remember this, no man comes to me unless the Father draws him. Unless the Father draws him. When, and he makes us willing. He makes us willing. Okay. Because a dead man can't cheat. A, a dead man can't cheat. That's why we're given life. Okay. All right. Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful this day for your glory. God, for your goodness. God, we thank you that you are all-powerful and that you are all-knowing, that you are ever-present, that we're never out of your sight, that your ears open anytime we call. And Father, we thank you that you're all good. Lord, that even when there's evil that happens around us or even to us, that doesn't diminish your goodness. It's not an indictment of your power or lack of it. It's no indication at all that you're absent because you are who you say you are and you never change. And so, Father, I pray that as we, God, go through these um However long you, you're going to leave your, your church here, however long that is, uh, another week, a day, uh, another century, Father, however long it is, that, God, you'd strengthen us. God, that you would work through us to call others, God, out of the darkness into the light, into the light of your Son, that, that what he's done for us by bearing the penalty of our sin in his own body, shedding his own blood, has opened the way for us to be restored to you. And Father, we thank you for that. God, uh, we thank you for your grace. And God, we do ask you, God, to forgive us for the so many ways that we do fail you. We fall short every day. God, thank you for your forgiveness, and it's in Christ's name we pray.
Amen.